welcome along to another edition of De Stefano Thoughts. I'm your host, Stefan Carlin, and today I'm here with Aidan Connolly. Aidan, how are you doing? Hi, Stefan. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Not at all. Um, now, I, you know, you've got a, a personal story to tell um, about, you know, your battle with mental health. Now, I heard this, um, you know, story on another podcast. Um, but I wanted to to speak to you myself because mm-hmm. and to hear it from you like first hand instead of through another yep. podcast. Um, so that's what we're here today. Obviously, you're going to tell your story, which we really appreciate you doing. Yep. Um, so if you um, if you just want to start off and you know tell us yeah. in your own words of you know what, um, what your story was. I mean, I've had a long running history um, with mental health battles now. Yeah. Um, initially diagnosed sort of. 22 or 23, so talking five, six years ago, actually diagnosed by a doctor, but you know, having come through what I have and understanding it a lot better now, I can safely say that from about 15 or 16, I was probably struggling with at least the early signs of anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, in that time, you know, I've had many, many ups and downs. Um, I've had many, I've tried many different kinds of therapy, be it psychology, be it seeing psychologists, counsellors, I think I'm well, I'm not on medication anymore, but I was recently on my sixth um, SSRI medication. So I've sort of been to the rigor and back. Um, I've seen a lot and I've dealt with a lot. I think specifically, you know, what's driven to me speaking out a lot in the past eight or nine months was, you know, a suicide attempt in April of last year. And that was that was a culmination of me not looking after myself effectively. Um, probably succumbing to it a little bit, succumbing to the illness, you know, the the low mood and depression had started around maybe the start of April, start to mid-April. So for about two or three weeks, I, I, you know, I knew where I was, I knew that I wasn't doing well. Um, I think naively, I probably, I just worked a lot through it, so I've got quite a high pressure job, so I was just working 15 or 16 hours a day and convincing myself that as long as I was doing that, everything else would be all right in time. Yeah. And that was where I went wrong. You know, I didn't speak about it. And right now I'm a massive advocate and I'm out there telling everyone to speak and talk and reach out to those who you can. But I didn't. Um, and I didn't access my support group. Yeah. I didn't access my GP. You know, I was off medication at that time. And it just snowballed. Um, and it, it led me down a path of starting to almost believe that because I'd done well for a period of time and then I was back in the hole again, it felt like it, I'd started to convince myself that I just was never going to feel normal and I was never going to be alright again and that it would be easier for me not to be a burden on people. Yeah. And uh, that sounds, you know, it sounds harsh, but that's that's when your mind takes you. If, you. if you don't take care of it and if you don't speak about it, then that's just what it was. So I decided, you know, I think on the specific day that it happened, it was a Friday. Um, and I had a night out planned that night for someone leaving work. Yeah. So I just decided that morning this was a, that that would be my final day. And it sounds, I think it sounds crazy to some people, but there'll be people who can resonate with the feeling of when you make that decision, you know, it's like a weight lifted from your shoulders because you spend so long to and fro and struggling with the, the feelings of it, which I had for a few weeks, that when I decided on the morning that that night I was going to attempt suicide, um, I felt relieved yeah. and I felt like I'd convinced myself my family would be in a better place, you know, there would be a payout from my work and things like that, all of that would come. I, I hadn't looked into my life insurance well enough to understand that that probably wouldn't actually happen, but 
I had to convince myself that they would have my wife and some would have a better life without me in it. Yeah. Um, and they would have something to set them up, and and that's where I was. And from that moment, you know, I went to the night out, and I've spoken about this a lot of times. And I I went to a train track. You know, I've always had, I've always known that if the if I decided I was going to attempt suicide, I've always known how I'd do it based on where I was. So if I was at work, I had a place. I had a plan in place, I had a plan in place I was at, if I was at home and things like that and that was just, that's just felt up through years of going through these periods and these moments yeah. of the suicidal thoughts so I decided that I was going to act on the plan that day um, and I went to a, a train station in Edinburgh where I know that there's like overnight trains go through, I don't know where they do deliveries or whatever they do, like these yeah. freight trains pass through overnight at fairly high speed obviously um, so I'd maybe went there, I'd, I can't even tell you the time, I know it was at the end of the night out, so it was nearly Saturday morning by this point, mm-hmm. um, and I was sort of geeing myself up into doing it, uh, and um, I mean, I've spoken about this again a few times, and I don't know what it was, and I don't have a re- I don't really have an answer for it, but something in my mind, like, it was as if my son had screamed at me, it was it was like just a scream of daddy and it was enough to stop me in my steps at that minute yeah. um, and it was enough to make me recalculate what was happening and what was going on yeah. and uh, it sort of snapped me out of the, the days if you like yeah. um, and uh, you know I didn't obviously, I didn't complete suicide at that moment because of what had happened yeah. um, my feelings were exactly the same so I was still in the mindset that I still wanted to kill myself and I'm, I, I wanted to, I want to apologise for using that language but I think it needs to hit hard like that, like people need to understand exactly where I was and what's yeah. going on um, uh, and I just made, the decision I made at the point was how can I stay safe and the only way I knew to do that was just to try and stay in public so I jumped on a bus, like a night bus between Glasgow and Edinburgh and yeah. I done that journey a couple of times and I went to Aberdeen and I came back from Aberdeen and I was reporting missing and stuff at this time by my wife because I'd sent her a message, I basically an I'm sorry, I love you message. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, I mean that's it, that's that night in a nutshell I think. Yeah. I was then apprehended by police on a Saturday evening, I can't even remember the time. I can't remember the time, maybe yeah. six, seven, something along those lines, and taking to hospital. And then um, after a long, long wait in hospital and lots of talking and lots of, by this point, obviously my wife had come and I was still feeling the same. I was still all over the place mentally. Yeah. I, I would, couldn't comprehend what had just happened in the, in the previous 12, 14 hours, however long mm-hmm. it was. I didn't have a clue even what was going on. Like I was totally numb to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it was decided after some deliberation and Siobhan, you know, fighting my doctor who wanted to send me home, um, that I would be sectioned. Yeah. And I was sectioned for four weeks at that point and then I spent a month in Levendale and that was the, that was the most difficult moments in my life. That yeah. some of the hospitals day was more difficult than by the drain track because there's then a realisation over time just what has happened and what you what where potentially I could have taken my life by ending it. Yeah. You know 
I sit here today what almost nine months on I think um, and it just breaks my heart to think that that's that, that's where I'd allowed my life to go yeah. um, and yes of course you know I have an illness but I could have done so much more for myself in that, that mm-hmm. time and I'm just so grateful that I, I, I believe I have a second chance yeah. and that's why I that's why I work so hard and I, I mean I'm all over Twitter constantly talking about it but yeah. and doing things like this but it's just because I don't I genuinely don't want I don't want myself to go back there first of all ever so I'm doing whatever I can I don't want my wife and my son to experience that trauma ever again mm-hmm. and also if I can help anyone understand that just suicide isn't it it will never it won't be the answer you're, like, you're just you're leaving all that hurt behind and I promise and I say it a lot but I promise you like lighter days are coming yeah. um, people there's a lot of very good people in the world there's a lot of very empathetic compassionate people who can help you yeah but you need to talk and you need to talk to someone you can trust initially and then and then we can people can get you help there's, there's so much available but yeah just it breaks my heart to think back to where i was just nine months ago like i couldn't imagine how siobhan and rudy would have survived i don't, yeah. I don't know when i when i first heard your story um the first thing I did was send you a direct message on Twitter because your story resonated with me. Um, now I've I've had um, what I call anxiety for since twenty thirteen. Don't know where it came from. Don't know like why it started. Um, and I've got bad eyesight, so um, that's one thing that I get anxious about. I don't know why I get anxious about it. I just I just do. Um, and sometimes some days it gets you down where, and I'm not going to lie, I'll be honest, the last couple of days have been really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And as I say, your story at the time when I heard it hit me because I was also feeling that way when I had yeah. bad mental health days. And like you say, lighter days are coming. Um, so, you know, you, you make so many good valid points that, you know, men, it is a mental illness, but you know you can find a way yeah, to do I don't when I say like later days are coming like I don't say that flippantly like it's not just going to turn round one day and you'll be okay like you yeah. need to, there's a hard it's hard work and it can be really difficult and a lot of you know <clears throat> mental health is or a lot of my specific mental health is because of like childhood traumas and things like that that I've had to work through and mm-hmm. doses of therapy and counselling and things like that like I'm not just sitting here today saying oh, by the way if you just sit tight things will get better like yeah. you may need to have to make some changes or access some support or help or medication yeah. or whatever it may be but all i'm saying is that you know suicide isn't the answer i can promise yeah. you that and i can promise you that people can help you but be prepared for a battle like this is hard hard work and yeah. i still have more off days just a week and a half ago you know i'm tweeting about having anxiety attacks just through something that's completely out with my control we get understood what the trigger was but it's me that's what it was me that was over the the toilet being sick for two days straight you know i couldn't even keep water down so yeah i still have these moments i don't want people to there's a i think there's a common misconception sometimes and especially when i first came out of hospital and started speaking there was a real misconception that i'd done my hospital stay and that was fine now and yeah. that, that absolutely isn't the case like i need to work hard day on day and siobhan sees it firsthand like some days i just have shitty days and I, that's just how it's going to be and she will be like I just need to leave you to it today but feel sorry for yourself for a day or two but then you need to get back up and get on with it and get yeah. back at it and it's not a flippant remark to say that things will get better like you're going to have to work at it we're going mm-hmm. to have to review what's happened and things like that but definitely there are answers and i think that's the thing about recovery for me like it's finding solutions to the problem yeah 
no, definitely. Um, excuse me. That's um, you know, one thing I found with you know having anxiety the way like I challenge it. I knew I had to change my life. Um, and you know, I've I've heard you know people I know have also done the same. Like they've found things to take their mind off of yeah. you know feeling that way. So one thing that I've found is going to the gym because it releases endorphins mm-hmm. and it makes you feel happier. And for I started in October and for four months straight. I didn't have a bad day, like, I yeah. felt so happy. So, you know, you, it does take hard work because, I mean, going to the gym isn't easy. It's, yeah. it's hard work. Um, you know, mental health um, was something that when I was kind of, when I was growing up um, in the area that I lived in, it wasn't spoken about. Um, and, you know, when it was, it was people were that were suffering were being described as, like, loonies. You know, whereas in today's society, victims... Um, of mental health are you know they're now being encouraged to speak up you know what wh- what's your take on that do you, do you... Yeah, I think what I think what we're seeing is a, a societal shift 100% even if I look back to five or six years ago when I was first diagnosed I had no idea what I was going through if it hadn't been for me falling in love with my wife back then and us getting together and her having a medical profession background mm. I, I don't know if I would have got diagnosed when I did like she forced me to doctors after me, but I think probably I think at the time I spent about four months off work, but I'd maybe been, and I mean literally not moved from my couch for close to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not joking when I say that. My wife works shifts, and uh, she's a nurse. So she would be out of the house for twelve hours, and mm-hmm. I would not have moved. Right. And uh, eventually, she got me to the doctors, and that's what got my diagnosis. I think what we're seeing is people are willing to talk about it now. A lot more people are willing to be open, and that's amazing. But but I think and my worry about it and it's because so many people talk about it will then create an even more of a stigma because there's still you still have people suffering if you they can't talk yeah and and we're making it harder for them so i'm big on talking but i i want i want the conversations to be meaningful and yeah. i want people to be talking about it because they're trying to give hope to others or because they're getting they're talking about to get help and then they're getting that help and they're starting to recover yeah um i think we need to be careful about just how much we're sharing and where and what platform we're sharing it on because there is that opportunity that if you know Joel Boggs and his house doesn't have the support network that I have, yeah, then he's just feeling that even more isolated. Yeah. So that's why you know myself and Siobhan are now. Well, I'm sure we'll speak about it later, but we're now creating our group and stuff like that. That's to try and give people somewhere to go and talk about it in a, a safe, non-judgmental environment where they can access help, where they can get support. Yeah. Um. Because I do, I do worry sometimes that. I mean, sensationalising that maybe isn't the right word, but yeah, that there's just there's so much talking going on, there's so much hashtagging going on on Twitter and things like yeah. that that maybe sometimes people are getting lost um, along the way and they're just seeing it as well. I, I'm not good enough because I can't talk about it. Or I'm still not finding the way yeah. to talk about it. So, I do worry about that. But I think what we are seeing is a massive societal shift i think we're seeing people become more open about all of their feelings yeah. i think we're seeing you know i hear a lot about being a snowflake generation and things like that which irritates me but i think well yeah we're just seeing a massive acceptance for a lot more and that, that can only be a good thing for me yeah no definitely um you know there's people out there that are and you know public like they're in the public eye they're in you know jobs that earn them a lot of money but they're coming away with you know remarks about mental health i think it was piers morgan that you know that said people with mental health they need to or you know young men with mental health need to man up you know yeah. using that that phrase unfortunately there's a lot of that and i mean it's probably just a 
potentially a generational thing like my oh, I don't know how much of this I can share but fuck it we'll go for it my real dad wasn't in my life for a long time yeah. so my dad he's not my biological father but I mean I've tried to speak to him or people within my family and there's just no understanding because like you say like back when we were growing up we weren't educated about it so when yeah. they were growing up it wasn't even it wasn't even discussed like yeah so I, I, I can totally empathize with that that they don't understand and that so i think it's about i try and ignore it as best i can yeah. like you can offer people with the education or offer them your thoughts and feelings but if they don't understand it's probably not their fault either and yeah. i just try and avoid you know lazing or speaking to people like that but i think in terms of i'm trying to base it on what i'm looking at my son growing up i think the world would be an easier place for him if he was touch here with he's not but if he was to have a little throwing like this i think it would be a lot easier for him than it has been for me or yeah. even anyone prior to me and that's that can only be good yeah no definitely um i've heard this being spoken about a lot um does social media play a damaging role in society in terms of affecting um you know some people uh, yep. you know people with mental health yeah i mean i've been asked this question before i think I think social media is what you make of it. Yeah. So my thing with social media is that I can choose who I follow. Yeah. I can choose who I want to block, if I want to block people. I can choose what I read and what I don't want to read. So I think, yes, we are vulnerable to social media, but we're vulnerable to life. Social media is just a concentrated version of life. It's just that it, we're much more vulnerable and we're exposed more often now than we were 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, can it play a part in giving people poor mental health? Yes, if you're looking at the wrong stuff or if you're listening to the wrong stuff or if you're, or people are commenting on you and you're reading it and you're taking note of it but, yeah. you know, and by the way you speak to me six months ago, I would have had a different view because I would have probably blamed social media for a lot of things but I think now I can only control what I can control and I can only look at what I want to look at and I think in social media that's definitely, it's definitely it plays a part in it so I've had people comment on some of my statuses about being attention seeking or not being generally unwell and things like that. I think yeah. for me, I just need to learn to ignore that. I need to learn how to cope with that and I need to take control of what I can take control of. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be people like that in the world. There's always going to be people who disagree with you. I mean, I could go on and speak about being a Celtic fan and I could get gypped from Rangers fans. That's part of life. Yeah. It's, it's just what it is and that's what social media is. It's a concentrated version of life. I think to blame it for the mental health issues I think would be harsh because in my personal experience of social media is feel it is very positive apart from you know less than a percent of people that, I, that I've spoken with on there so I think it is as I said it's, it's what you make of it social media yeah. I know it just we're exposed more than we ever were and mm-hmm. that's why it can lead to it being poor because if you're exposed to bullying more than you would have been previously like I spoke about children now who are, uh, you know, they're exposed to each other 24-7, they don't get the break, like if you or I went home from school, I had MSN for an hour, then my dad needed the phone line back, so yeah. I had the four or five, six, seven hours break from it. Yeah. Kids maybe don't get that now, and that's where it can start to play a part. Yeah. But sure. I, th- I think if we can teach and educate kids better, we can teach and educate each other better about how we use it and what we do with it, I think it can be such a powerful tool. Yeah. Um. What can we as a society do in order to help those who suffer like, from mental health problems? Obviously, you know, um, after that day in April, um, when you had to go into hospital and you had to 
um, using your own words, you get you were sectioned. Um, other other than that, is there anything else that we can do that can help? Um, you know, people with with I mean, mental illness. I mean, it's similar to what what we're saying. You know, people are talking about it, and that's great. I, I continue the conversations. Continue to be compassionate to your peer. Continue just to be kind to each other. Like if if you see someone needing help, whether that be you see an old granny needs help across the street while shopping, or you see someone posting on Twitter that they're not feeling so good, and you drop them a message just to check in, or you've not heard from your mate in a while, and you drop him a text to see how he is, whatever it may be. I think if society we just need to continually be kinder to each other like yeah. we're all in this together we're all living this life together yes our paths may cross separately and differently and we all have different belief systems and we all support different football clubs and there's a whole lot of differences within each of us but we're all on here together at the same time so i just think just be a bit more compassionate and kind to each other and people everyone's going to hit a hard time at some point like mm-hmm. whether it be bereavement whether it be mental health whether it be an injury an accident whatever like just have an understanding for your peer yeah. and we'll all get on a little bit better and I know that it sounds so simple and but I mean there's a lot of hate already in the world like try and not add to it as best you can and, and don't get me wrong I've been guilty like I'm not sitting here as a saint by any means but yeah. what I've learned in the last eight or nine months is just that if we can all be just that a little bit kinder to each other we'll all just get on that little bit better yeah what techniques um have you got that help you feel um you know better when say you're having a down day? You said like a week and a half ago. Um, you said you had a couple of days where you you know you weren't at your best. Um, you know, what techniques do you have to like? I mean, firstly, I have an amazing wife who will give me a kick in the backside when I need it. Yeah. Because I think for me personally, I very often fall into the sort of self-loathing, self-pity. Um, I very quickly get caught up in why is everything against me. Or why is it that I do, I have so many good habits day on day that I still end up feeling like this. So mm-hmm. I'm very quick to jump to that, that sort of, oh, everything's against me, I can't be bothered with this anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to lie on the couch for days. So firstly, I have a great support network in place. Um, mm-hmm. And Siobhan heads that up and, you know, she will pick up and triggers and she will give me a row if I need it and she'll make sure I get up and I do things. I think for me, I need to challenge it. Um, I've for a long, long time succumbed to this. Like when the the darkness or the dark cloud comes over me, that is the phrase I like to use. Like I've very long time allowed it to just rain on top of me, and I, I've not stuck the umbrella up, and I've not tried to fight back and keep myself dry. You know, so for me, it's about challenging the thoughts. So I, I very often get thoughts of, oh, why, why, do, why is your body like that? Like or. Uh, you know, I fluctuated, I fluctuated in weight a lot. Like, why are you getting fat? Why are you eating rubbish again? Why are yeah. you doing this? Why? And then it just compounds and you end up eating more of it. And then I end up, it's another multi pack of crisps and it's another bar of chocolate and whatever. Aye. And I know the answer and I, I know that I need to like, just stop it. Like, I don't need it. And I, I can pick up something nicer to eat and I can go and do a bit of exercise that day or I can do whatever. But it's just about changing that mindset so when the thought comes it's about challenging it instantly yeah to then beat to beat off that thought and then begin with a positive action i think what people see my twitter now and my social media is like every morning and as cheesy as it sounds like i'll look up positive quotes and i'll read through them and eventually one of them will resonate with how i'm feeling at that moment or how i'm feeling that day and i'll often share it and i'll share my thoughts with it and what that does for me like 
that is a force of habit for me to force me into looking at stuff, to force me into thinking for the moment and trying to start off positively. Yeah. And if I can share it and it helps someone else, then that's fantastic. But it all comes from a position of how can I set myself up for the day positively? Yeah. And what actions can I take? I mean, similar to most other people, exercise. I play football, I play junior football, so I'm mandatory need to train two nights a week at very minimum. Yeah. If I'm going to the gym and stuff on top of that, I've now got my time to tackle group. You know, exercise helps, uh, hands down. Um, it can be difficult at times, and I know I've, I've exercised my whole life, so I know for me it's a lot easier than someone else who may not have exercised a lot to yeah. pick it up and do it, but I always feel better after that. And I, I love talking to people, um, which is weird, and anyone who knew me when I was younger would be would find that strange because, and that's what I was saying, like, I knew, I now know that it's... Uh, you know, late teens, the late latter part of high school, it, I knew there was, I now know that there was real anxiety issues there because I was so introverted, like, I would be scared to ask you for a rubber across the desk if I'd made a mistake in my maths book, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was just pure anxiety, that used to make me feel physically sick, and by the way, sometimes I'll go and, and Siobhan will back this up, but there'll be times where something will go wrong with your meal at a restaurant or something will go wrong with a hotel booking and she'll be like, well, go up to the desk and say something, and I'll be like, I can't. I can't, and that's just a pure anxiety coming back, and yeah, some and it'll, shoot, it'll be like phone to get the car serviced, and it'll take me two days to do it because I need to work up to it. Aye. and and that that's just a small example, but like I've what I've learned is that I love talking and I love speaking to people, I love connecting with people, I love trying to help people or give advice, and I'm massive on listening to people's experiences as well, and yeah. like I'll spend seven eight hours a day listening to podcasts or listening to motivational talkers or some people like people who i like to listen to and that's just all about just trying to feed my brain a little bit and just i had just i've stumbled across something through my experiences and i love to do and i'm just out here trying to work with it and see see where it can take me but i love doing things like this as well yeah and it's just listening to people and, and sharing experiences with people is a really powerful thing and i think you can take a lot away from that no, definitely. Um, you know, I totally agree. Um, before I come on to the time to tackle group, you were you were speaking there about how you know when you were feeling down, you were like, like it was easy to eat a multi like pack of crisps. That that resonates with me again because it's what I do when I'm feeling down. It's like I go and binge eat. Yeah. Do, would you agree that eating food like crisps or takeaways and things like that? isn't good obviously it's not good for your hair like your your body it's not good for your heart because it's bad food but do you also agree that it's not good for your mental health as well yeah so i have recently read the study about um 90 of your serotonin being created in your gut and i don't know if anyone is worthwhile watching is watching the netflix program game changers and i'm not out here trying to tell you to be vegetarian or vegan before some people jump on it like eat what you want do what you want i've I've got no qualms with it um but yeah, and that's what made me think about my own diet. My diet is shocking. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and pretend otherwise. Like, I'm vegetarian now and have been for over a year. And that came about with my wife's always been vegetarian. But I just wanted to make a change in my life at that point because, again, at, you know, December time in 2018, you know, a few months prior to going down, I just wasn't feeling great. And I thought, let's make a life change and just change something up. So I went, I went vegetarian and I've stayed it since. But... I think there's definitely, I mean, that study aside, I think definitely, you know, eating, if you go pick up a McDonald's, firstly, it never fills you up for any longer than half an hour, right? Like, that's very common, but 
it's, it's what that triggers in your mind where you start to go, shouldn't I eat that? When you know I shouldn't have yeah. it, and then you start to beat yourself up for eating it, and then you go down and it's like being back on the hamster wheel of that self hate mm. or self loathing, like going, why did you do that? Like you've been doing well for X amount of days and you do that, or or you say I'm going to start a diet and then you do that, and it, I think much like anything, like if you don't go to the gym and you say you're going to go, you go on that same self loathing hamster wheel again. It's just that why did you do that and you beat yourself up for it yeah i think that's probably what causes it more than i mean there may be a scientist out there who'll prove me wrong but obviously it's not good for you we know it's not good for us like everyone knows that eating shit like that isn't good for you but yeah. i think what it's what it triggers in terms of your thoughts that could definitely have a detrimental effect i mean i see it all the time me and my wife tried to do dry January and not eat any takeaways and about two and a half weeks and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Aye. We'll eat one and then you end up eating three one weekend and then you get to Monday and you're like, oh, not again, I'm back where I want, didn't yeah. want to be and then, and then you start that whole cycle again of trying to get out of it and and that's just part of normal life, like most people resonate with that but mm-hmm. if, you ha- if you're susceptible to real low mood and real anxieties around that then of course it can heighten that for you. Yeah, no, definitely I agree because it's something I found when I started to exercise, when I started to go to the gym. I got my personal trainer in October. I cut out eating crisps. I stopped eating Coke, uh, Coke stopped drinking Coke mm-hmm. um, and, you know, eating healthier. And it was such like a boost to my mood. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised. I was surprised because I was like, I don't understand how it's taken me this long to realise that. But then to feel so good from it, like people like, I knew like friends were like, Oh, you've got like this glow to you and I'm like, Well, all I've done is just like change my diet and it's it's something as small as that can hundred percent just change. Uh, um, there's so many things. So I like I said, I listen to podcast audiobooks and stuff like that, like discovering some audiobooks. So you just do or go on a walk. Um, I mean we can talk more about this later as well, but I'm involved with a walk and talk group now and See, just I have I've got a dog and you've got a dog yourself. Um, see, getting up and taking your dog a walk for half an hour when you're not feeling good, by the way, like just the uh, ability to just empty your mind yeah. and just be like, I'm just gonna go for this. I'll listen to something, might be music or whatever you enjoy. Like it's got such an amazing uplifting experience, and that's what I'm saying. Like doing exercise, it doesn't need to be hard, grueling exercise. We're not all trying to be athletes, yeah. and well, and it's the same with diet. We're not all trying to be athletes. We're not all trying to be optim- at our optimum all the time. I don't think like. If you want to have a Chinese on a Saturday night, by all means, go ahead and do it. If you want to have a few beers with it, go ahead and do it. I think everything is fine. It's just that when you do feel a bit shit, it's like understanding the small things that can change it. For me, going a walk is my. I love going a walk. I love running. I used to like. I used to hate running. And uh, two weeks into my hospital stay, and I know I'm backtracking, but. Um, I spent two weeks on the locked ward because I sort of threatened to run away so they had where they were manning me with two staff initially and then because of staff issues and they were still worried that I would run they moved me into the locked ward which is like the ICU unit of the of Levendale. Yeah. and in there you you can only go to bed when it's set times you like get an hour in your room a day and then you get sent to bed at 10 o'clock at night just like it's not prison but it's got that sort of, sort of regimented feel to it where you can only go somewhere when they let you can only eat when you're allowed to eat at yeah. meal times and things like that because it could it liable to kick off at any minute because there's a lot of very unwell people there so yeah. the, the ratio of staff to people was almost one on one most days but that, it was a really tough environment and i spent two weeks in there um and it that's where i really started to wake up to this and start to understand that like 
I, I can make so many changes that will help me here. Like, yes, I'm, I, I used depression for a long time in my life, actually, to just to mask things. I would be like, mm, I'm being an arsehole because I'm depressed. When mm. it was really, I was just being an arsehole and I was hiding behind this yeah. diagnosis. Um, so it was in that world that I sort of started to wake up a little bit and be like, well, there's a lot of things I can do in my life differently yeah. that, that I can work on. And I remember getting out of, uh, after two weeks and it was maybe approaching mid-May by this point, but it was so sunny this day. And they let me out for 15 minutes, like, without anyone. They were like, you can go yourself, but please, please come back. And I literally walked out and, like, the sun was on my face. And I feel emotional talking about it because it was just a moment in my life that I'll never forget because it was just that gratitude. I was just like, thank God. Thank whoever it is I need to thank that I'm still here today. Like, yeah. I've, And that's the moment where I realised that I've got a second chance at this. Like, I was only 27 at the time. I had achieved a lot in my life in terms of professionally and career-wise and I'd done fairly well in football in my younger days and stuff like and that was despite never taking full control of my mind and what was going on yeah. and uh, I obviously had an amazing son and I've got my wife who I can't speak highly enough and she's probably sick of me doing it because I think she feels like she's on some sort of pedestal now but uh, it was at that moment that I was just I decided I need to do something and so that from then for the next two weeks of my stay I would be allowed out for like three half an hour periods a day yeah. and for one of them I would always run and that was just I'd run for half an hour and it, I think I was doing like 5k or like two blocks of the bit around the hospital was like just over 5k or something but I realised then that baby, I love running like, and I always thought for my whole life I, hate, I remember going to football and doing running when I was younger and I was like ah, I can't be dealing with this I hate running but yeah. again it's just that for me anyway I love being outside I love the fresh air and it just takes your mind off and you'll be surprised how little you can think about when you need to just let when you need to drag your legs along because you're tired yeah. and I, I used to do a thing where I'd run every Sunday but I sort of stopped it and then because I'm going through a football season at the minute but yeah I just I love doing that and honestly like people will find their own things everyone is different Yeah. but you'll find something that you love doing like I used to write a lot, I do it less now, but again, that would help. Like, I'd do a brain dump if there was a lot going on, I'd just get it all into paper and it would sometimes be ramblings or something that would, I would read it back and it would be good. But there's things you can do to help your mind. You just need to try things, like try and just be be honest with yourself. If, if it's not working for you, don't do it. Like Don't yeah. do it because everyone else says it works. Some people hate exercise and they just will never take that. Yeah. And that's fine, but just understand yourself. Yeah. And don't be jumping on the fad because oh well Jimmy said exercise will work so I'm going to do it or Aaron said that running's good for him so I'm going to do it some yeah. people just can't take the run and they don't like it and that's fine but there's so many other things that you can do like that yes. help you make yeah. feel better like for me like sometimes like if I'm just having like a down day I can't be bothered going to the gym I'm like well I need to do something I need to take something off my mind I play the playstation and that is my brother my happy brother's a mad gamer and I don't understand that like I've not played a, I think my son got a PlayStation for Christmas, so I tried to play FIFA for one night. I was like, fuck, I'm going to try it. Not played in like five or six years, but it's just not for me. Yeah. But my brother's a gamer, and uh, he comes to our group, and he sort of talks openly about how that helps him. And see if that's what it is, great. Fucking yeah. do it. Do it. No, 100%. Like, I think the issue that we all have at times is as well, and that's where social media can come in. Like, we're all out comparing ourselves and worrying about judgment and worrying about the perception that you're giving off to others, man. But see if you're getting value from it and it makes you feel good. Just 
go ahead and do it. And like Siobhan won't, she won't find me for sharing it. But she's watching nearly every fucking box set on Netflix. I can't keep up. But that's just because that's what she likes to do, and that's great. She feels good when she she gets right in there and she's trying to figure it out, and her mind's going crazy. But like she likes doing that, and I like to get out and run sometimes. Yeah. Like we're all different. I think just you'll understand if you're going through this and you are struggling like if you don't know what it is that you enjoy doing right now try some things and if you try it and you don't like it fine but see if you try it and you like it and what well, might hurt because you're not exercising in five years and go through the hurt if you're enjoying it and you're getting value from it great but just be open to try things and be like take actions that, that that's the biggest thing for me is that i had to well, i was forced in it because i was in the hospital but Get, doing that run helped me help take me away from what was a really difficult environment yeah. and it just gave me half an hour that was me time and it was massive for me and I know I'm rambling a bit but it's all about self-care and and understanding yourself and being honest with yourself and knowing what works for you yeah no I definitely agree with that um I agree with us and everything you've said there um so you created a fantastic initiative called Time to Tackle um, that invites people who are suffering with their mental health, but it also invites people that are suffering with mental health, but they're also lonely, um, to come and, you know, firstly be active, but also to encourage them to like, open up and talk. Talk is through the in-depth idea like behind this. Yeah, Time to Tackle is something I've thought about for many, many years now. didn't have a name or anything attached for all these years, but... It was just an idea that I'd had for a long time because if everyone, most people who know me will know football was my first love. I've played football my whole life. I've played to a decent level. It didn't quite work out. and That's a whole other podcast to talk about that. But um, yeah, I mean, it didn't quite work out for me how I expected. Didn't, my life didn't go how I planned or how we thought it was going to go. Um, that caused me a lot of issues. But like... Football's all remained a constant through everything that's happened in my life. I've always played football. Yeah. Like injuries aside, I've always been involved somewhere. Um, so I, it's always been an escape for me. And, you know, going back to coping mechanisms, things like that, football's the number one for me. It's the best thing I've found from, like, personally, is just that getting out there and playing takes everything away. Yeah. For whatever period of time you play, it takes it all away. Now, don't get me wrong. It brings its whole load of shit when you're involved at clubs and stuff like that. It brings a whole load of stuff with it and carries baggage. So my idea has always been how do we take the baggage out of it and just get make football something that people are just enjoying. So what time to tackle? What we're inviting we're inviting anyone like you don't. I, I've tried to steer it away from being a support group because I think that people look at that and go, ah, I'm not sure I want to go to that. Like, I'm not sitting you down and saying what problems have you got, how am I going to help you, or ah. how are we going to help you, it's nothing like that, it's so laid back. It's about giving people the opportunity to escape from normal life. Everyone has things that piss them off in life. Yeah. You don't have to have a mental illness to just be like, oh, I hate working 40 hours a week, it does my head enough. I've got three kids and I just need an hour to myself. Or, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. And we just want to welcome people in now because of my background and because of what I've been involved in and the story that I've had, like it, a lot of people who resonate to my story want to come along in this. So then it does become a lot of like almost as a peer support group of people with mental health issues and people suffering loneliness. I think, you know, when you're feeling a bit down, the first thing you do is you detract yourself from everything, you step back, you start to exclude yourself and you start to feel lonely. 
and I think that's a ma- that plays a massive part in people feeling like they've got a struggle with their mental health. So we want to tackle that, which is where our tackle came from. That was a, a fun session. Me and the wife on the couch just been like, let's come up with a name, and we're just like. Can you do something with pass? Can it be shoot? Can it be cross? Can it be tackle? <laughs> and, uh, and that's how we, we sort of spitballed and we came up with the name Time to Tackle and it fits quite well nicely because we can help you tackle anything you're going through in your life and we can help tackle stigma and all of that. But the premise of the group is to get people together. Yeah. It's to give people somewhere to be. It's uh, to help if they are struggling then there is a, there's a safe environment. It's totally safe. There's no judgement. There's a lot of people with some difficult stories. Who are very willing to share their experience and very willing to help others and that's and that includes me and Siobhan's fantastic for that as well because she's got a medical background so she can understand a lot of what people are going through and she's really great to talk to too so you know we have people in the room who can do that sometimes we just come in and we talk nonsense for a while because it just that's where it goes and that's where the group that's where the conversation flows to and people go away thinking well that was fun i'll come back next week yeah it's about giving back for me it's about using football to give back and we always want it to be free because we don't want to exclude anyone i think there's enough of i know how expensive football can be in terms of like kids paying 35 40 for the month and stuff like that i know yeah. how much a pitch costs to book and not everyone has you know that type of money so it's about we want to make it free and we want we wanted to be a little different so there's a lot of football groups out there who just play football for an hour and I think for us it was about trying to be a little bit different we'll say look playing football an hour is great and that will really really help you if that's all you want to do fantastic but we want to encourage you to come into the room and actually make friends and create friendships and create little support groups within this group that you know there'll be people who have similar stories to you that you can resonate with and they can resonate with you and when you feel a bit anxious or you feel a bit down you now have a group of people who you know have had similar experiences who you can send them a quick text and it all comes back to that one thing like talking so you can all talk and yeah. you can talk about it um we've started a soup club up <laughs> so one of the guys brought soup one time so now people are asking for different soups to make we're all trying different soups like silly things like that um we're branching out i mean obviously we were on the bbc and the coverage for that was amazing and uh it's it, it's helped us massively and there's we keep we keep the group non-competitive that's just purely about playing for the enjoyment and that will always remain yeah um it'll always the, the core group and we're setting up another group in edinburgh but you know the weekly sessions will always just be about having fun and escaping and then going in the room having a chat we do try and sort of speak about experiences a little bit and try and educate a little bit where we can through experiences but we're not we're not forcing anyone into that we can totally just come along and listen if people want to um but i know you know we played the charity match at the beginning of january we're currently arranging another couple we'll start going to little charity tournaments and things like that because there's some guys who just who are looking for that competitive edge fact there's people who haven't played football in a long time saying oh, i would like to play in a game then we can arrange that we can try and cater for that and I love it, like, Siobhan loves it, like, we just, like, firstly, it helps me, like, I get to play football and I don't need to worry about my performance, like, I've spent my full life playing competitive football and always having to be trying to perform and yeah. expectations on me and things like that, I can turn up on a Wednesday night and I can just smile and play and yeah. I can use football to help other people smile and that, that for me, 
that's what football should be like I know there's a lot of tribalism there's a lot of different clubs and hatred and everything else but I think at the very core football's amazing for community football's great for camaraderie football's great for getting people together so I think it can be a huge vehicle for just helping each other out and that's all we're trying to do create an environment like that um, we're at Glasgow on Wednesday nights we're launching in Edinburgh and there's another couple of things in the pipeline that we're excited about yeah. and it's I just love going, like we're on tonight and I genuinely can't wait for 7 o'clock so I can get along and I can't play tonight because I'm injured but just to go and see people and watch I'll tell a story and I don't like George will mind but George who came to our group is uh, he's pretty open about his, what he suffers with anxiety pretty bad and he's gained a lot of weight over a period of time and he's not played football for a long time and he came to our group to play I think it was the first time in 9 months or so and uh He's a great, he's such a nice big guy, just so key, keen to help people and keen to help himself and again, he's so open and honest and I admire him so much for having the ability to come into a room when no, he knows no one and just tell his story and uh, but I mean cut a long story short, we played an 11 a side game against Mental Health United who are based at the Clyde Bank, again another fantastic set of people, Yeah. Uh, they're a genuine <laughs> Sunday league team and uh, we played them in a friendly on the 5th of January and uh, brought George on, he played and gone back off and we brought him on for the last 10 minutes and he scored and George is a big guy and uh, but he's got the top over the head and like I swear there was boys in the mental health United team wanted to go and celebrate him because it was just one of those moments that only, not only football, there's obviously other sports but for me only football can give me just watching that to say I can't knew who he was a few weeks ago when he was in a real dark place and we managed to get him out and we got him playing and now He's went and scored an 11 a side game in the first time for the first time God knows how long. Yeah. And all of his, everything that he's been worried about, like his weight and everything else, that was all just subsided for that moment because he'd done what he wanted, he'd achieved something that he never thought he probably could again. Yeah. Um. So I, being able to watch that and being able to give people that opportunity, like that would warm anyone's heart. Yeah. And um, that's what Time Attack was for us. Is, like I say, firstly, it helps me and it helps you on every week. But, you may have the ability to help people and I'll do whatever I can to do that because like I said at the start I don't want anyone to feel how I felt in April 26 last year yeah no definitely um so you said you're you're based you're starting out is it Glasgow Green yeah so we're based out of Glasgow Green now um on Wednesdays from seven to nine so seven to eight we play football eight to nine we go into the room we put on refreshments usually some soup as well and we just have conversation, we sometimes play some silly games, we play the game called Mental Health Bingo that was fun. Um, but hey, it's just about getting people talking and, and if people and if people feel what they need to share because they're in a dark place then they have a place to go do it where they can it, it's safe for them. Yeah. And if no one if no one's struggling that week then great, we'll just we'll talk for an hour and we'll and we'll all just have a laugh and hey, it's just finding a balance for it of course like and that's why i'm i'm loath to call that a support group as such because you know we're not handing out 12 week programs or anything like that and yeah. we don't really have plans to do so it's more just about using football as a vehicle to give you that escape if you don't have it in place now and you're starting a new group is it Ned? you said it's in edinburgh yeah? yeah so we start in edinburgh and, and i know this will go to march time but yeah we'll be on monday nights in Edinburgh at Ainsley Park which is the home of Spartans um, and that again will be 7 to 9 every Monday 
and there's hopefully there'll hopefully be more groups popping up soon. Um, which our long term aim is to reach as many people as we can and impact as many people as we can now. I know how difficult that is in terms of time, in terms of time and stuff like that, but that's just like we know this works as yeah. a concept. We know that football is great for people, so it, it helps your physical health, it helps your mental health, and it helps you have friend, it will help you create friendships, things like that. So we want to access as many people as we can with that within our obviously funding limitations and time limitations. Yeah. You tweeted a few weeks back um, that you were going to be doing a walk um, for charity in association with the Celtic FC Foundation um, to walk from Celtic Park to the Fountain of Youth Stadium in Hamilton uh, on the 2nd of February. Um, can you tell us a, like, a little bit about this? Yeah, so the concept, as I said earlier, like, I found that I love walking. Um, I think walking and I think if you go a walk with someone like it's often easier to talk to them than to sit across the table I have spoken to people in the past who've reached out to me for some help and stuff and it can be difficult sometimes to sit someone down in a coffee shop and say tell me what's going on yeah I think if you can get them out and get walking and stuff and if you can, the conversation often flows easier for me but um it came around so there's a group down south called Walk and Talk MMH yeah and they're run by a guy Lee Adams who's a fantastic guy so Lee got in touch with me on Twitter a while back. Um, basically, what he does is he walks a few times a year. I think he's been doing it for five years, but he's a Fulham fan. And a few times a year, he walked in a wee ground as a walk and talk, and it's about raising awareness for he focuses mainly on males' mental health, but I kind of steer it to any mental health. Yeah. So it's about raising awareness for him, um, and also getting people out and walking and people talking about what they've got going on or what they've experienced and things and again he takes on fairly big challenges like he's walked Fulham to Reading five times I think that's like 200 miles of walking um, so he got in touch with me late last year and sort of asked if I would be interested in it and I, I love the concept of it I love the sound of it Yeah. so they, they hosted one in Dundee and it was just a short I think it was a couple of miles um, in November so me and Siobhan went up took part Again, just loved it from taking part. It was a bit cold right enough that night, but uh, it was just good to get out walking and talking to more people. Like I said, I love you know engaging with people. Um, so I got speaking to the Celtic Foundation um, through Tony Hamilton on Twitter and sort of said, look, he, there's a guy down south doing this with Fulham fans. I was like, I think if we open up to Celtic fans, I think it could be great. I think, you know, you get people out Again, having meaningful conversations, people creating friendships on a, a walking for a couple hours, people exercising, albeit you know low density, but getting some exercise. It's great for raising awareness, great for continuing to push the message and tackle stigma that still exists. Um, and it also gives the club something to say. Look, we we're looking to support people who are lonely, who do have you know potential issues and yeah. things going on in their life. So. We sort of made a decision that we keep the first one fairly short, so it's eight miles or something along those lines from Celtic to Hamilton. Um, I've walked it already, I think should take maybe between two and a half to four hours, depending on any treacherous conditions that day or anything like that. So yeah. we have 72 people I think signed up at the minute, which is fantastic. Um, and it, it's centred around you know, getting out, walking and just enjoying 
Teachers Company getting yeah. the opportunity to talk to someone that you might not have met in uh, any other walk of life and it's about trying to use I'm trying to use the club to help and and get you know fans together because mm-hmm. I think if you look at the statistics you know they say one in four will struggle with mental illness like Celtic Park has 60,000 people and you're looking at quick maths but 12,000 or something along those lines potentially yeah. in the stadium at some point will suffer even more will be exposed to it at some point in their life because their partners are their children or something like that may suffer at some point so I think it's uh, it's about getting everyone just understanding a little bit better yeah um, it's a great so I took part in a walk and talk with Lee and the guys down at Fulham so I walked in New Year's Eve from Reading to Fulham 43 miles I think it was it took us 16 and a half hours it's mad uh, it is mad but it's honestly such a rewarding yeah. experience because not only are you completing a challenge, which is difficult enough in itself, I think there was eight of us that took part, only five of us finished. Yeah. Um, but, and I'll talk about Jamie on the walk, 17 years old, cerebral palsy, sufferer, um, and managed to walk 32 miles. That's incredible. And see, just being exposed, like I say, being exposed to people's stories and listening to them and talking to them through some of that, like, just amazing. Anything I thought I had going on in my life felt, felt totally insignificant. And um, and it just it helps with perspective and it helps with your perception. Um, but yeah, that walk go back to, you know, when we finished it after 16 and a half long hours through the night and just a feeling of pure, like, elation. Like, I had completed this and I'd gotten to know some people. So you get to know people so well when you're exposed to them for that length of time. And... Yeah just hearing some of the stories and what people have been through like it just gives you hope that you know what like sometimes life will be hard but i can get through it and like people have come through worse and, yeah. uh, and that's what i'm out here trying to do now is like give others hope like i've been through shit if you're going through shit you can get through it too if i can do it and the longer challenge of walking and talking allows us to do that allows us to prove that it's like it's like it's like a, such a condensed little version of life in 16 and a half hours because there's times where it's everyone's high and everyone's so happy with what's going on and it's all great for the first few hours and then you start to see people have their wobble and you see people start to drop back and want moments to themselves to sort of you know readjust and rethink themselves and then yeah. you'll see people who are struggling or physically struggling or mentally struggling and people and everyone rallies around them and it's just a great it's such a heartwarming thing to be a part of and i loved it so we're going to do a short one to start with celtic but um, with the foundation and the money we raise will go towards uh, the Celtic Foundation have started a, a programme called You'll Never Talk Alone yeah. catch your headline and love it um, but again that's aimed at tackling loneliness so that's I think going to be a monthly thing where they invite people in who are maybe suffering from primarily loneliness but loneliness driven by you know bereavement or mental health issues or you know, fam, not having family around them, whatever it may be, so they're going to try and get them in. Again, it's all about get, allowing them to create friendships with people to try and tackle that loneliness, and uh, we went to the launch night of it, um, and it was great, it was great, you know, it was a real woman next to me, lost her husband a year ago, had spent a full year being alone, and she was having the, the night of her life, um, just getting to know people again, and being out again, being yeah. out of the house, so... The, the, the money we raise from the walking talk will go to that and hopefully we'll see that develop and continue to again help the people and and, and help the people 
self-defense and stuff like that tackle yeah. loneliness um the walking top group that i work with i'm also now helping set up walks for them so we're doing a walk from livingston the tony macaroni arena in livingston to ibrox which i think is 33 miles yeah. so again that's going to happen in mid-february hopefully we get through that by the time this goes out but yeah, we've got 10 or 11 signed up for that. That'll be more like the Reading walk. We'll see people, well, probably less of a number, but yeah, it's about people coming together and walking for a cause. Yeah. And then on the 4th of March, we'll walk from Celtic Park to Livingston for the game. And again, that's again 30 odd miles. Um, and that's just another challenge. And it's similar, again, that getting people together from yeah. fans from the clubs and encouraging them to get out to walk and to talk about their experiences yeah no worries um all sounds really good um i have i signed up for the you'll never talk alone the, yeah. the one to hamilton so i'm looking forward to that um thanks very much for taking the time oh, to come in thank you for having me talk to us um i really appreciate you taking the time to come in um and talk to us because it's such it's such you know it's a subject that really that will resonate with people and I just want to get the story out to as many people as I can. You know, yeah. I sort of, when I saw the BBC doing it, I, you know, I shared it when I saw, um, when I listened to the podcast with Sean uh, yeah. on Blethered, which is, uh, it was bad. I was on holiday when I heard it, and I, I, it was just, it was something that resonated with me so much, and I was like, well, I want to give you the chance again to obviously tell your story, but maybe reach like a new audience, and, and I just can't, like, you know, no, express my appreciation uh, for you. No, I massively appreciate it. Like, it's great. There's so many good people. And like I said, it's almost going back to the social media thing, but there's so many good people who will use their platform to allow me to come on and talk about what I'm doing and what I've been through. Like, I'm always appreciative of people who say, come along and let's... It's all about getting the word out, and it's about getting the word out. It's not just my story. There's a whole host of stories and a whole host of amazing people out there who I'm sure you'll get on and you'll access. But yeah... People who are willing to give their time up to create podcasts, to create platforms to allow others to talk and share, like I'm hugely appreciative of it. Well, thanks again. Thank you, mate. Cheers.